Blog Talk Radio. The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. The world is full of stories and science and things that amaze and confound me every single day. Incredible mysteries that keep me awake at night. Some I can answer. Others just defy logic. Ghosts, are they real or not? From the invention of the earliest photographic devices to the latest home video cameras, believers have pointed to images like these as proof. Could they be haunting spirits, phantoms, the dead reaching out to the living? Or are some simply the result of camera tricks by clever hoaxers eager to convince millions hoping for evidence of life after death? The question today, is he real? Will we ever see him or it? Those are just some of the questions surrounding the mystery of Bigfoot or Sasquatch as you may know it. Tonight, more reports of something unusual in the skies over the valley this weekend. A UFO in China's skies forced Zhaoshan Airport to stop operations on July 7th. Residents are on edge this morning after another apparent UFO sighting. Scientists from all over the world are trying to figure out what caused a mysterious blue light the spiral in the sky. As UFO sightings go, this one was as good or as weird as it gets. The Bermuda Triangle, said to be a mysterious vortex claiming lives, ships, and planes at will. Something really strange is going on here, guys. Among such feared supernatural phenomena as UFOs and alien abduction, the Triangle is a serious contender. Well, it's been ages since we had a good sea monster story to share with you, but check out this video shot by a British tourist in Scotland. Could it be last proof of the infamous Loch Ness Monster? So what do you see when you look at these pictures? Well, I definitely see an animate object under the water, but I have to say we still don't definitively know what it is. The unreal world. The unreal world. What I actually saw that night, I couldn't really understand what it was. Visitors from other planets, from other planets. lost civilization, mythical beasts. Wasn't a myth, wasn't legend, it was real. Ghosts, angels, demons, and everything in between. It's a weird world, and I love it. Michael Bolter here. This is Tracy Tug. This is Wild Bill, William Peters. This is Pamela Croker. You're listening to PCN, Paranormal Channel News. All right, all right, all right. Good evening. I'm Michael Bowler, broadcasting live from Fort Worth, Texas. And this is the June 2014 report for PCN, Paranormal Channel News. PCN is a member of the Dead Air Paranormal Radio family, broadcasting nightly with over a 1,000 episodes today. And joining me this evening from Lakewood, Colorado, is our college graduate, co-host of PCN's <laughs> own Ford Op, Mr. William Peters, a.k.a. Wild Bill. Mr. Wild Bill, how are you, buddy? Hello. Good evening from Colorado, land of beautiful women, Peyton Manning, and legalized marijuana. 
And you guys are a little <laughs> higher there from what I see on the map. We are. We don't have a brown cloud. We have a green cloud. It's the Mile House City. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited anyway, I, I, for I, I, tonight's what, show. Yeah, for, for everybody that may be tuning in for the first time, uh, William Peters uh, was the board up with uh, myself along with Chris Medina for Paranormal Kool-Aid for quite some time. Uh, has been with us. Tonight is his debut as a co-host with me here for PCN. So uh, welcome, and uh, a special uh, congratulations going out to William, to yourself tonight. I know that uh, William's family's in town with him. They have a big day for you tomorrow, uh, graduating college, correct? Yes. I'm going to be um, graduating with a Master's of Science in Psychology. Ah, very nice. It uh, is a rare occasion we have a uh, host along uh, one of these paranormal radio shows with an actual college education. Not knocking any of those out there that do, but uh, uh, I've done uh, uh, half of those thousand shows, I think, that Dead Air uh, has accumulated over the years with the great George R. Lopez, the founder of Dead Air. Uh, and uh, uh, education is not something that uh, has been heavily weighed on in the past. But we're going to try to change night, uh, starting with our June 2014 report. We're going to report once a month, every last Friday of the month, everybody that's tuning in. Uh, and what we want to do with this, William, as you and I discussed, is try to bring a, a, a little different view. We're going to bring paranormal stories from all over the globe uh, with different reporters that are part of, uh, of the community. Uh, we want funny stories. We want odd, weird. If there's birds dying in St. Louis, uh, uh, you know, a Sasquatch. <laughs> Uh, is seen, uh, you know, running an Exxon station in Mexico. Uh, and you know about it. We want to hear about it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, and, and, and this is not a judgmental. We are not going to be a, a strongly opinionated-based uh, broadcast each month here. We simply want to give you the news, uh, let you uh, enjoy the report, and uh, check things out for yourself. So uh, we're going to kind of go from there. But uh, current topics, one of the things, William, I talked to you about the other day, that uh, you are not mm -hmm. a huge soccer fan. I am slowly becoming a soccer fan, and I think this is something. I know you have children. Uh, I have children and grandchildren. That uh, uh, The World Cup, man, it's, it's bigger. I'm, I'm actually enjoying going down to the local bar. We actually couldn't get into a couple places the other night. Uh, wow. Trying to get in to view the game. It's caught on here in Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, just packing the 7th Street area. Uh, we ended up going down to a local place, but uh, supporting the Americans is something that we've never really uh, done well at, uh, have moved on. So congratulations to the uh, U.S. Uh, soccer team in moving into the second round. Um, big, big deal there. Uh, is anything going on up there in Colorado uh, with this? Have you noticed it, William? Well, actually, yeah. Um, Colorado has a major league soccer team, the um, – Colorado Rapids. So now that the World Cup is on, they're taking a break. But when the United States played last weekend, the entire town was completely quiet, which made for excellent shopping. But um, I, I really don't watch it. Um, I never got into soccer too much, but I like the idea that if all professional sports at the end of their 
season if they would let go of the last placed teams and then bring up somebody from a lower ranking. I think that would be an excellent way to make professionals actually earn their paycheck and play to win all the time. I agree with you 100%. I I really do. And, William, real quick, uh, just to get this out of the way, uh, Mm -hmm. being your first time on here with us, uh, did you want to mention everybody, uh, if you slow down a little bit in talking? Yes. I am not broadcasting from a cell phone, and I'm not going through tunnels or anything. Um, I have a speech impediment. So if I cut out a little bit, we're not having technical difficulties. It's just me having a little problem getting it out. <laughs> so there you go, there you go. And and guys, uh, I, I don't think I've I've gotten a bigger laugh doing these shows than <clears throat> doing Kool Aid. And I guess William, you've been with us probably uh, a couple of months when you told me that uh, mm-hmm. when the uh, callers would call in our guests for this evening. Uh, they were always checking their phone and, and thinking their phone was cutting out. He said, I, I, I don't tell them. I just tell them thank you and thank you. So nobody's phone has gone paranormal. Uh, it's simply William, and uh, we're looking forward to getting to know a little bit more about William. But, William, uh, to start things out tonight, and we're going to get right into the news. Um, okay. Broadcasting uh, on Dead Air, I've been uh, with George on Mondays, Primetime Paranormal, uh, which is every Monday night. We, we broadcast weekly at uh, 9 Eastern, 8 Central, 6 Pacific with George R. Lopez, the founder. Uh, there's several shows uh, throughout the week, but Sunday Night Dead has been a staple of, of Dead Air for quite some time. And Tracy Todd, uh, who's been a big player uh, with Sunday Night Dead, uh, and Matthew Slozer, who's the host of that show, uh, is going to be our kind of lead reporter Uh here for uh, awesome. PCN, and uh, I want him to kick off this premiere show. Uh, he's going to kick us off every month with what he finds uh, for the month uh, that's going on around the world, around the globe, that's paranormal, uh, no matter what it may be. So, uh, everybody, let's welcome Tracy Todd, uh, PCN's reporter, to uh, the show tonight. Tracy, how are you, buddy? I am finer than a frog there, buddy, and you? I'm doing great, doing great for Friday night. Uh, it's strange to be on the air for Friday night. I don't know that I've ever done uh, a Friday uh, show, but uh, I'm looking forward to doing this with you and William. Once a month, I think we can uh, put a quality report out here. I, I understand you've got some good stuff for us tonight. Uh, yeah, I think it's some good stuff, some uh, very interesting topics I think everybody will enjoy. Well, I tell you what, uh, why don't you uh, get going and, and let's uh, let's let's get this thing, let's get this show on the road, Tracy. Fantastic. The first story tonight involves uh, a TV personality by the name of Ryan Buell. Apparently, he is under fire from some of his fans. Um, the uh, paranormal investigator, Mr. Buell, is currently on tour in Canada and featured to headline various ghost hunting events. According to hundreds of Facebook posts from his fans over the last month, month and a half, Buell is accused of scamming people 
canceling the events and pocketing money without giving the fans their refund. You will appear on wow. the wow. Paranormal Reality Show, Paranormal State, between December 2007 and 2011. He was scheduled to appear and up in Canada on uh, events, uh, different events, scouring from June 4th to June 22nd. And uh, people were showing up for the events, and he was not there. But upset Canadian. <laughs> That's not good to upset the Yeah. Yeah, you, Canucks, get your, you can get your ass beat up there in that neck of the woods. You know, you don't pick up the Canadians. Yeah, you, you, know, know, you know, I those guys play hockey. Those guys are beating the crap out of each other at six years old out in the cold. So, um, and you're talking about the same Ryan Buell uh, from Paranormal State, which was probably one of the uh, premier uh, paranormal ghost hunting shows. Uh, on Sci-Fi, I think it was, if I get the channel right there, uh, yeah, back right. in the day. Uh, it really kind of got this uh, phenomenon of, of paranormal investigating going along with uh, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. They, they were one of the main staples. I understand, and, and, and Tracy, did they say anything about his health? Was his health failing, or, or why? Uh, oh, you know, so, uh, Last year, uh, I take that back, it's uh, 2012, um, he came out and told everybody that uh, he had uh, cancer. Right. And mm-hmm. he had, yeah, he had, and he had to cancel a bunch of his tours. Well, people didn't really believe it. Um, mm-hmm. They were pulling one of the uh, a similar stunt, like the uh, food run guy, Brian Harnoys of Ghost Hunters. Yeah, Ron Harnoy. Yeah. How he faked his uh, suicide or attempted suicide? Yeah, I think we finally labeled that as a suicide scare. That's uh, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. You can catch uh, we had on uh, uh, Dead Air Show on Wednesday night. We have a replay. Uh, if you'll search the Paranormal Channel uh, on YouTube uh, or search Dead Air Paranormal Radio, uh, our YouTube channel uh, has a replay of that interview with with Brian uh, back then. And hopefully Brian's doing well. Again, but it, it did appear uh, to most in the field at that time, Tracy. That you know that was kind of a uh, mm-hmm. a setup or something just to get attention, which it certainly did. So uh, he accomplished his goal there. But uh, luckily, that's all it was was a suicide scare, and it wasn't serious. Well, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and there's no you know after looking. I mean, you can't like call up the hospital and get this guy's medical records. But after doing a little bit of research, um, there's articles stating that he did have cancer, and then there's other articles saying that he didn't have cancer. So, but what I, what I find really interesting about this whole thing is, uh, after doing a little bit more homework, I found some of the venues that he was supposed to be playing up in uh, um, Ottawa and Winnipeg. And yeah. according, according to them, they never did schedule them. He was never scheduled or anything like that. The other interesting thing about this was is Mr. Coffee, Chip Coffee, was going to be part of this thing up in Canada with him, but then Mr. Coffee all of a sudden turned around and bailed out. Huh. So 
you know, who knows? And then I go on his website. He's got like three or four different Facebook pages, three or four different websites. You go on his Facebook, Facebook pages and websites and you look. I cannot find anything of people actually losing money from events. I can find people losing money. They would buy one of his DVDs and the DVD never would show up. Hmm. Well, so with the real Ryan Buell, please stand up here so we don't really know what's going on. If he is ill, which uh, I don't want to get into this tonight, but if you haven't heard, uh, George and I have discussed on Monday nights with several people about the gamma radiation uh, that is present and uh, being located in high EMF. Uh, right. Well, he well, does have, in my, later, actually, in the, uh, later in the year, uh, this year here, he has some uh, events scheduled up, up north, and I contacted their venues, and again, they said no, and this is his website. His websites are saying that he's going to be at this place, this place, and this place. So I called those places, and they have no record of him coming or being part of the venue. You know, Tracy, it's just, it reminds me of just one more reason why I think people who host paranormal television programs and and call themselves researchers, I don't understand why they are putting themselves into a position where not only could they lose their credibility, but also put themselves at, at risk of completely ruining their reputation, not only as a researcher, but just somebody in the public eye. Right. Right, right, right. Well, they, uh, one of his, Mr. Buell has uh, one of his confidants, supposedly, um, and this guy speaks on Mr. Buell's behalf. Uh, he states that, uh, that the refunds are being given, but it is an unfortunately a very slow process. One of the things we know we have faltered on is communication and customer service. We are looking at the several services and ways that can help us to ensure we are able to improve in this area. We are not sure why there are people claiming that we never announced an event that was postponed, but we did send out several emails. It's the IRS all over again. Well, I think your problem there is customer service. They need to outsource that to some other country. That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you made the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, the no uh, yes, sir. I was going to say, interesting stuff. Uh, uh, with that, I, I hope that things work, works out. Unfortunately, I can say that with the uh, two and a half years I've been uh, involved 
and uh, online radio. Uh, that's not the first time I've heard of uh, an event. Uh, people uh, losing friendships and, and, and things happening like that. We have to, uh, I've said many occasions that uh, one of the things to keep in mind that the paranormal community has grown to uh, the size that we have to say that it mirrors a normal society, that, uh, that you have to be cautious and careful in anything you do. That's why uh, car salesmen have a reputation. Uh, nobody likes to go buy a car without having somebody that's been there, done that before, and uh, I think it has to be the same way with uh, Anytime you sign up for one of these events, you need to know somebody that's there and make sure that uh, uh, you're investing your uh, entertainment money or your ticket money to the event, uh, to something that's actually going to happen and take place, and it's a, a reputable uh, event with somebody that's organizing it that has a quality reputation of uh, upholding the event and, and, and making sure that everything goes off, and if not, refunding uh, the individuals, which is uh, not the first time we've heard this uh, uh, Old South Pittsburgh Hospital and others, without mentioning any uh, too many names there, uh, are a lot of events. But uh, Tracy, you had a second row uh, uh, topic tonight for us, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I do. They, let me answer uh, the Gettysburg Ghost Scouts. Uh, as of right now, none of them are being uh, prosecuted for fraud. And I, I think the reason that is is because when they go and they sign into these events, I'm sure there's some type of clause that covers their butts. Uh, so, and secondly, I don't think they're going to prosecute uh, somebody for 19.95 for a DVD. That's just my guess, though. Yeah. Yeah, 19.95 for a DVD. Why can't you get that online for free and just upload it? I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, I, Watch I it don't on pay Netflix. for. Yeah, I don't pay for DVDs anymore. <laughs> I, I, you know, I gotta say what kind of stuff I watch online, but I certainly don't pay for it these days. <laughs> right. Stuff well, for porn, next, right, Mike? My next, <laughs> what's that? My. Uh, <laughs> I said, except for. Porn, right, Mike? Uh, mm-hmm. Is that a uh, that's a team out of, of California, right? Paranormal. <laughs> I, I, well, I well you know, while Bill's speaking of porn, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if y'all heard that uh, there's Playboy Playboy Playmates are going to be or trying to get a new series started called. Pretty paranormal. Okay, now that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a hot topic. <laughs> I, am swi- <laughs> I am switching from Ghost Hunters, and I'm watching that. <laughs> well, the new the new reality series called Pretty Paranormal is currently in production, according to a teaser trailer that you can find on YouTube. Uh, The show will follow five Playboy playmates as they investigate various haunted locations. Uh, If if you go on YouTube and watch this video, you'll die. You really will. (laughs) It's it's Uh, pretty fun. I already have it on right now. Hear it? It's awesome. (laughs) Outstanding. 
And, and Tracy, it's funny you bring that up in uh, our communication this month, getting ready for the show. Uh, I just recently uh, was informed, I haven't told you this, that uh, George Lopez announced uh, the other day that uh, we will have uh, some of the cast, if not all of the cast, from Pretty Paranormal this Monday at uh, 9 Eastern, 8 Central, 6 Pacific, right here on the same bat channel, Dead Air Paranormal Radio with Primetime Paranormal, George and myself. Going to talk to the girls and uh, uh, see what's going on with Pretty Paranormal, find out a little bit more about them. Uh, and hopefully they uh, will send pics uh, during the show for everybody. Right. <laughs> uh, well, the, the show itself is actually in the early stages of production. Uh, producers of the show have created a... See, this is the one thing that throws me off about it. Um, why would they need to set up an Indiegogo site to generate funds for this production? Something doesn't seem right there for me. But anyway, I'm sure nobody's, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure nobody's worried about that. Yeah, I was going to say, some of the some of the playmates were back from 2001. Maybe a boob job or something's in store. <laughs> they need to upgrade. <laughs> well, let's see. They got, I, got, <laughs> excuse me. I got a list of the playmates here. Irina Baronin, Baronina. Filler Lastra, Angel Boris, Tina Jordan, Heather Renee Smith. Now, Irina Boroi Boroina was Playmate of the Month in January 2001. Lastra was Playmate of the Month in August 2004. Boris, I guess she's the oldest one of the bunch, was Playmate of the Month in 1996. Uh, Jordan was Playmate of March 2002, and Smith was Playmate for the month of February 2007. So they're veterans. Yeah. They, they, well, at least <laughs> one of them is, 97. Wow. So anyway, if you guys are... Uh, I hope, you know, I personally hope the show goes off without any kind of hiccups or hitches. I hope nothing... Or um, wardrobe malfunctions. Yeah, wouldn't you hate that? What kind of... <laughs> and, 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 and you know, guys, this, this, this will be an interesting... I, I can't wait for the interview um, Monday night with George um, because I want to find out, you know, I've, I've often said uh, real quick... Uh, as we close this out, we'll get ready for break here. We've got uh, Dwayne Favors coming up here in just a second. But there's a fine line in this community, and that's where I think a lot of decisions in the next few years need to be made. Do we want entertainment? Uh, do we want paranormal entertainment, which is horror movies, which is uh, detailed paranormal, people that are characters, their personalities are a big part of the show and a big part of why somebody might watch a show like that. Uh, you know, John Zaffis, the probably one of the best paranormal investigators in the world today, uh, his show was canceled because it wasn't scary enough uh, on, on sci-fi. Why that happened, uh, it saddens me. That was a, a, a quality show. But if we're looking for quality uh, when it comes to uh, paranormal entertainment uh, in television, the quality that the producers, uh, that the television stations are looking for is not quality and somebody knowing how to ghost hunt, its quality, and what kind of an audience they will bring in, how uh, they can hold somebody's attention 
And obviously, uh, TNA has always sold, so it looks like it's going to continue to sell uh, here in the paranormal community. But uh, paranormal bikini girls, I've always been a big uh, fan of them, and it looks like we're going to have a few more, Tracy. So great report, man. <laughs> well, I got uh, there's a couple quotes that I got here that I'd like to read. Um, Verona says, I have a lot of talent and special skills for ghost hunting. Mm hmm. Wouldn't that depend on who the ghost is? <laughs> well, you're exactly right. And uh, she said, Lastra says, Playmates make, playmates make great ghost chasers, especially if the ghost is male. I think what makes us different is we're unexpected, we're wild, we're outrageous, but we're to really seek out the truth, Forrest says, my ass. Well, you know what, though? It, 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 it's, it's already starting controversy, Tracy. Uh, that's oh. going to sell. I think it's going to be uh, something that uh, uh, probably is another one-hit wonder. We never know. We'll have to wait and see and talk to the girls, let them uh, say their piece and, and have their uh, uh, their show and see what everybody thinks about it. Uh, it may be bigger than uh, Ghost Adventures. Who knows? But, uh, Tracy, sure, I can't I'm, thank you enough. Go ahead. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there, there will be a few parts that are bigger than the rest of them. Well, Tracy, uh, man, it's, it's, uh, I was tickled to death when you said you'd lead us off uh, with this uh, PCN each month, the last Friday of the month for anybody that's tuning in. Um, outstanding job to uh, uh, find examples of what we like here at PCN. Uh, you can contact us at uh, uh, Paranormal Channel uh, News PCN on Facebook. Uh, Pamela Croker, if you're in chat, we'll get some of the rest of the stuff up uh, there, and uh, we will uh, uh, look for stories, anything that you find interesting or anything you wanted to report. Contact uh, myself, Michael Bowler, uh, or Pamela Croker through the uh, PCN Paranormal Channel Facebook page to message if you're on Facebook, and uh, let us know. But uh, coming up next, guys, science report. A little weird science with uh, Mr. Dwayne Favors, who uh, a good friend of mine and uh, was part of my uh, original Ghost Cowboys Paranormal. So, uh, while Bill, uh, take us to break, and now uh, we'll be back here in a couple of minutes, guys. Stay tuned. You're listening to PCN. Matthew Slozer, and you're listening to Sunday Night Dead. This is Tracy Todd. You're listening to Sunday Night Dead. Michael Bolter here from Primetime Paranormal Monday Nights. G'day, this is Ashley Hole, the Australian Bat Squatch. You're listening to Primetime Paranormal. This is George Lopez, and you're listening to Primetime Paranormal with myself, Michael Bowler, and Ashley Hulk, and you're listening to A World Awakening. This is Andrea Perrin, and you're listening to A World Awakening. Dead Air Paranormal Radio brings you Wednesday nights on the crazy cooks 
This is Keith Johnson. You're listening to Paranormal Hood, part of the Dead Air Paranormal Family, right here on Blog Talk Radio. CN Paranormal Channel News on Blog Talk Radio. Friday night, the June 2014 report, June 27th to be exact, uh, starting the weekend right, right here with uh, us on PCM. But uh, tonight, uh, William, up next is uh, a good friend of mine, close friend, a uh, Louisiana guy, uh, Cajun, the Cajun ghost hunter, as we call him, uh, helped me. Uh, back in 1954, we sat down and decided to uh, come up with uh, Ghost Cowboys Paranormal. It was in 1954, but it might as well have been. It seems like it was that long ago. But uh, Mr. Dwayne Favors, who uh, resides now here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, uh, is uh, the science guy, uh, as we call him. Not Bill Nye, but, uh, but Dwayne, and uh, we've never really given him a, a full name with his science background. But uh, uh, he, uh, not only is he uh, a science guy, but an avid poker player uh, and, and, and just uh, an, an all-around paranormal uh, kind of guy. So uh, with uh, no further ado... Our next reporter, uh, Mr. Dwayne Favors. Dwayne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Where you roll? You are. I tell you, I was looking forward to you coming on. I want to make science uh, a, a big part. And uh, I know you may not be able to join us each month here on PCM when we broadcast the last Friday of the month. But uh, uh, science is a big part of what we do uh, as investigators for those that, uh, as me and George uh, have debated uh, many a Monday nights about uh, some people call this a hobby, being a paranormal investigator. When you put as much time and effort as George has over the years, uh, hobby is probably not the correct word, uh, that uh, a lot of people are learning from the scientists and using scientific uh, uh, instrumentation, data, uh, and technology to do what we do as paranormal investigators. And uh, we just couldn't have the news without uh, a little bit of science involved. So looking forward to your report here. All right. Well, I've got a pretty good one ready to go. All right. All right. Well, I know you've got a uh, you're, you brought some audio for us tonight. Uh, I did. You I'll, want, uh, William, William, to cue that up, just let that up. Will do. All right. The floor is well, yours. The, uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say the floor is yours. And by the way, Pam said to tell Harvey hello. All right, I will do that next time I uh, next time I hear from him. If he can uh, swipe a cell phone and let me know and get in touch with me. But, uh, so the the biggest part of most paranormal research comes from a theory on what happens to people when they die. Most of it, in some way, relates to the religious belief in an afterlife, where some part of us continues to exist, which would be the soul or the spirit. The majority of the hauntings that we investigate are in some way attributed to dead humans whose spirits remained in a place for some reason or another 
rather than moving on to this afterlife. The science-minded in the paranormal field often work to remove this religious undertone and attempt to explain these phenomena in other ways. That doesn't mean they don't believe it's a spirit, but often the, spirit, the scientists look to debunk or explain in some other paranormal ways. Others will claim that these are demons or some other malevolent entity not originating from a human being, and they're the culprits of the activity. As different as these approaches to the paranormal are, they all factor down to the same common denominator. Some form of unseen energy is acting on something in some way. The religious will go that it's the spirit of someone who hasn't moved on. Scientists will come in and look for the sources of the energy, and demonologists will sniff out for sulfur and draw symbols on the wall. But what is the actual source of this energy? How can it be detected? How can it be measured? These are the questions that could one day redefine the paranormal world as we know it. But until then, all we have are hypotheses. For the not-so-religious like myself, uh, what happens to us when we die can be troubling. Our nature as humans pushes us to define something because the thought of death as the end of everything is just too scary. The thought of life ending with a reward for living well or a punishment for those who don't allows us to make it through our mundane lives. Take that away and you have chaos. Some would live each day as if it was their last, enjoying all there is to life. Others would take advantage of the freedom from repercussions and indulge their worst desires. And fear would cripple the rest, unable to leave their protected spaces trying to stay safe. So if you don't buy into the religious theory of heaven and hell, what happens to you when you die? As much as I hate to turn to Hollywood for an answer, it seems like some of them have put together something that might make some sense. As a scientist, I'm also pretty much a nerd. And if I intend to maintain a respectable number of points on my nerd card, I have to keep certain interests as well. One of these led me to watch the recent TV show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's good for what it is. It's a nice, entertaining show. And they do have a pair of scientist characters on there who are a lot of fun to watch. In the season finale, these two were trapped in a sealed container at the bottom of the ocean. With little food and less hope to escape, they discussed their own death. And I was really pleased as a scientist to hear that neither one of them went to science, the, the religious route. Even one mentioned that his mother told him that it was that death was like how it was before you were conceived. Very simple, pretty scientific response. But the other character had a little more to say about it, as we'll hear in the audio clip if you'll go ahead and play that. Dwayne, uh, if you got your computer turned up, you're getting a little bit of an echo. I, I'm not on the computer. I'm only on the phone. Okay, we're getting a little bit of a feedback here, so hopefully that'll that'll fade out possibly on there. But uh, good. continue on. Continue on. All right, play the audio. I like to think about the first law of thermodynamics. There are no energy in the universe is created. The mind is destroyed. That means that every bit of energy inside us. Every particle will go on to be a part of something else. Maybe live as a dragonfish, a microbe. Maybe burn in a supernova 10 billion years from now. And every part of us now was once a part of another thing. A moon, a storm cloud, a mammoth. A monkey. A monkey. Thousands and thousands of other beautiful things. They were just as terrified to die as we are. We gave them new life. Good one, I hope. So it's a great idea that they mention here. 
It's a good idea that this paranormal research kind of latch on to. The writers of the show did a great job with that one, except for one thing. They used the wrong law of physics. The law of conservation of energy is what states that, Matt, that energy cannot be created nor destroyed. The first law of thermodynamics is related, but it deals specifically with heat added to a system, and if you add heat, it has to equilibrate and give off some kind of work. So they're similar, but the, the basis of it is energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be converted from one form to another. So in looking at death, life and death from this point of view, when a person dies, the energy that's within them cannot be destroyed. It can change form, change location, but it has to remain somewhere. Her theory is that it can become the energy of another being or the energy of an exploding star, and that makes some sense. Each person born had this energy, and it came from somewhere. It could very well be from a previous person or another animal. If you look at this from the religious point of view, this would be the soul and could come from God. Perhaps that's actually what God or the concept of God truly is. It's a place where energy is stored for use by the universe. So this would explain the concepts of old souls. People who get that description may just contain a larger portion of energy that's previously existed in another universe. So does this energy contain our sentience, our conscious, our being? Is that what makes us who we are? How does my energy differ from someone else's? Does some part of me continue on through this energy as it's transferred through the cosmos? Is all energy throughout space and time similar enough in its basic form that any of it could become in the future or have been in the past some living being? Answering these questions would surely turn the paranormal into just some wonder. So if someone dies in a particular location, could some of the energy that was that person remain there? If so, how and why? If, there, if our energy is needed or is indeed the source of our sentience, could this leave an intelligent haunting, as we call it? As investigators, we try to use trigger objects, trigger words, events, and anything else we can think of to attract the remnant energy of someone that we assume once lived or died in a supposedly haunted location. In order for that to work, the energy that remains must maintain something of the person it once was. And this goes well toward explaining intelligent hauntings, but in order to be proven, we would just need a large, statistically significant sampling of evidence. And right now, we just don't have that. And it's kind of tough to get. So if the energy that we have does not contain our conscious being, then any remnant of it that lived or died would be more of a residual haunt. Unable to respond to stimuli, it would just randomly act on its environment. This seems much more likely to be the case, again, we need evidence. This could mean that our conscience may not survive our demise, but instead may be a simple construct of our internal energy acting through our physiology. In the case of demons or other malevolent entities, could energy that exists free of corporeal form develop some sort of sentience? Or was it there all along, and without the restraints of a physical being, it's now free to act as it will? Could it act on people who are near enough to it and cause them to do or say or see things they normally would not? If so, then it stands to reason that energy in that form would be able to choose how it wanted to act on people. It may act as a demon, causing them to harm others or do things generally thought of as evil, but there would be nothing to stop it from acting in good ways as well. 
Perhaps this would be the source of the superhuman strength that some random people exhibit when saving another person across in a car. And maybe a person who stands in front of others in danger. As I watched that episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it sparked a lot of thoughts in my head about her hypothesis. We are being full of an as you explained and measured. Some people do Some seem people to have a lot of others, others, but we have a great have a grasp great on the physiological events which generate the energy we need to perform tasks, but there is a much more basic energy that flows within us. We consume food and our bodies convert that to simple sugars which are broken down into energy molecules, but we do, do we really consume enough to keep all of our higher brain functions running 24-7? Mike and I have discussed on several occasions about the need of a measuring device that doesn't just tell you energy is present, but can tell you the characteristics of that particular energy. With that kind of technology, the difference between EMF from power lines and what may actually be non-corporeal energy would be easier to determine. Maybe someday that will be available. Maybe one of us will create it. And maybe we'll all have a mobile basis of shield to thank for it. Back to you, Mike. Back to you, Mike. That's fascinating That's stuff. Fascinating stuff. Really careful. Uh, uh, the uh, the echo is getting, getting, getting worse. Getting worse. Yeah, it really is. I'm getting too through the radio now. Sorry. Do me a favor here, real quick, and we may have to cut the end of this. Say the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Say, I am the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I am the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That's a Lou Gehrig speech. <laughs> well, I, I, apparently, we've got a bad connection here tonight. Uh, that's what happens with live radio. That was fascinating stuff. I wish we had more time to get into dissecting what we're talking on. I'd like to see if uh, we can't get you on with George now on Monday. I hear in a couple of weeks when you've got time, you can kind of dig a little bit deeper into that because I think that's stuff that the community needs to hear about. But everybody, right now, we're going to have to keep moving. We'll run a little bit behind. Space Severin coming up next. And she's got a report on the Slender Man murders, I believe. So everybody stay tuned. You're listening to PPN. We will return here in a couple of minutes after a quick break. Now you can reach a worldwide audience by advertising on Paranormal Channel News. Just send us an email at pcn.newsradio at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at PCN Paranormal Channel News. Or you can contact Mike via the old whorehouse... What? Old, was I really supposed to read that? Thanks, Tim. Never mind. Just send us an email and we'll make your commercial. This is Wild Bill William Peters. You're listening to Paranormal Channel News right here on Blog Talk Radio.
And have you ever stopped to consider what it might mean for us? If all we've learned and all we think we've learned about our past is wrong? It's unthinkable, isn't it? Well, guess what? There's real and bizarre events out there that are telling us we may need to rethink everything we know about everything. The unthinkable is here. Everybody, Mike Bowler here, PCM. Uh, I'm returning, and we've still got the Echo, so we're going to try to work on that a little bit. Uh, William, if you could uh, tell everybody a little bit about what Faith has got coming up, and I'm going to see if I can correct my mic here. Okay, Mike. Well, Faith is our next reporter, and uh, she's coming to us tonight to talk about a urban legend in the Midwest called Slenderman. Um, I know Mike kids here at home talk about this individual quite often. Um, he sounds pretty horrifying, actually. Um, in my opinion, he sounds like a, a shadow figure of some sort, but um, he definitely has made his presence and uh Recently in the news, there have been a rash of murders involving teenagers who seem to think that by killing other people, they can make their way to Slenderman. So, enough of me talking, but let's bring on Faith to tell us about Slenderman. Hello, Faith. Are you there with us? Hey, William. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you? I'm awesome, awesome. So um, I got you guys sort of a um, little smorgasbord of what is going on with this Slenderman case now. Um, I'll tell you, it kind of started off in 2009 in a website, and it was a. Um, it actually started off as a photo contest on a website called Something Awful. And the website, the whole concept of this um, of this contest that they were running was to um, come up with the creepiest photo. So a lot of people that were involved in the contest were actually putting in a very familiar figure, and that is the Slender Man. And um, the whole urban legend behind Slender Man, and if this is a completely fabricated myth, um, he was he was. He was conceived and born um, on the internet. This is not something that is even uh, even remotely has a, a stitch of truth to it, unless you throw in little bits and pieces of, of paranormal things. But I'll get to that. Um, essentially, they were organizing these photos and putting them on there, and including the Slender Man. And so he just kind of, you know, hit forth after that into the paranormal community. And so there were lots of things that were actually um, going on for certain amounts of time in the paranormal community. And there were some teams and some researchers that were out there that were saying, you know, he's absolutely true. Um, but from my understanding, the only element of truth from Slenderman is that he was, this is this is an entity that was born on the internet. Now, as of June 2014, just this month, earlier this month, two 12-year-old girls, Megan Gesser and Anissa Wire, um, both of them 12 years old from Waukesha, Wisconsin, they actually lured a classmate into the woods at, at a sleepover and stabbed her 19 times. 
Um, the victim did recover. Thank goodness, from what I understand, she's making a, a full recovery and is just now getting to where she can walk again. But a couple of weeks after that, there was a young girl, I think she was about 13, in Hamilton, Ohio, who was dressed as Slender Man and actually attacked her mother in the kitchen. Um, mother did survive the attack, more or less just superficial wounds, but it was, you know, rather traumatizing. And then the third episode of Slender Man murders actually took place just a couple of weeks after that. In um, a Las Vegas shopping mall, there was a, um, a couple, Jared and Amanda Miller of Nevada, who actually dressed as Harley Quinn in Slender Man, um, walked into a, uh, a Las Vegas mall um, food court and shot two police officers. Um, they later fled the scene. When I understand, they, they hid out in a Walmart for a little while before they committed suicide together. Now, with all those rash of attacks, there is some new forming in information and research out there in the paranormal community that um, suggests that Slender Man is an actual entity, that he is somehow oppressing and possessing people to cause these murders. So it was something I found rather interesting, and I wanted to share it with our, with our listeners tonight. I did think it was a pretty fascinating piece of news. It is up for the listener to determine that. You know, it's my own opinion as a paranormal investigator that this is a completely fabricated thing, just like it's, it's been happening since 2009. I think it's um, it's an interesting sort of scenario that he's, this Slender Man thing is, is kind of set forth into the paranormal community, but it also shows the um, the real lack of research and also, to the lack of depth that people will actually go to in the paranormal community to research and seek out real legitimate answers for paranormal phenomenon. Today's Mike here, and <clears throat> thanks for hanging in there with us, trying to get off to the start, of course, a, a premiere episode of PCN here, and it uh, would not be Blog Talk without a few technical difficulties. So uh, as the uh, original Hillbilly astronaut, I think, there for a while, uh, Dwayne, myself, and a little bit of you there to start out with, sounding like we were broadcasting uh, as an astronaut from outer space. There. So, it was far out. It was far out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good stuff. I, you know, this is fascinating stuff to me, and you bring up a great point with what you're talking about there uh, with the Slender Man, is that we don't know, and, and, and I think that that has become, uh, as you may have heard uh, uh, me or George say on Monday nights when you've joined us before, uh, that is it okay now to say we really just don't know about certain things like this? We can't say, oh, no, that doesn't exist, or, 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 or say with certainty that it does exist. And this is a perfect uh, scenario, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I actually do. Um, you know, just outside of the fact that, um, you know, there there is proof that this this particular situation, this particular urban myth, you know, did take place on the Internet. I mean, there's significant proof that, that actually goes in and displays that. But you still have people and researchers and, and paranormal investigators out there who are saying, you know, oh, no, absolutely, there's there's some demonic force that's, that is Slender Man that is causing all of these things to happen. And, you know, it, I guess it kind of boils down to perception and the fact that, you know, some people are going to have their mind fixed to believe one certain way, where some people may, you know, just kind of stand back and say, okay, well, you know, the possibility is there, but, of course, the facts are there as well, and you can't deny those. Yeah. William, are you back with us? We got the uh, the audio uh, difficulties taken care of I there, am, I believe. I am back. Hi, Faith, how are you? Not- Great, how are you? I'm good. I actually have a question. Um, with uh, uh, Slenderman, 
is he related at all to the shadow figure that is usually described as being the tall man in the hat, like the top hat? You know, I think that it is. It has been associated in in recent years due to there's a lot of websites that have been pouring out Slenderman information for a long time. Um, a lot of sort of you know not off the beating on not off the beaten path sort of websites, but familiar paranormal websites like 4Channel and Creepypasta.com. Um, you know, they're kind of notorious for just putting out you know random information, but there mm-hmm. are paranormal researchers that get their information from some of these websites, so they do associate some of the more common phenomenon that we do see in the paranormal field, in the paranormal field, like shadow people, and um, you know, there's a, a couple other phenomenon too, with what they consider voids of sort of um, not necessarily human types of um, entities, but just sort of black masses or the things that people see that don't have any sort of um, human depth to them, or they don't have anything that they can they can recognize as human features. So I think some of that phenomenon may coincide um, just a little bit. But again, you know, it kind of it kind of leaves us on the fence about you know, well, well, what are we supposed to believe? And this is certainly one of those circumstances where just because somebody put it on the internet, you know, oh, it must be true. You know, that's definitely not always the case. Wow. Tracy, uh, I believe you had a question for Faith. You said. Yeah, hey, Faith. Um, was, uh, do you know if any of this information about the Slender Man was actually put in any type of report? Uh, as far as the paranormal phenomenon goes or the murders themselves? Uh, well, aren't the uh, young ladies claiming that it was the Slender Man that... According to the actual murder reports um, from the two 12-year-old girls from Waukesha, Wisconsin, um, they are actually claiming that they are proxies of the Slender Man. And what I did find out in my research, and this is on my blog as well about Slender Man, um, is that a proxy, according to, uh, I think it was the Slender Man, it's like a Wicca site, um, SlendermanWicca.com, a proxy is a name that is given to um, the the beings or humans that are under the influence of Slender Man or whatever is out there that actually influences Slender Man. So looking at the actual websites, and again, these are sort of those kind of, you know, they're kind of the, the inquirer of websites, if you will, from the paranormal community, um, right. that these are just, that it, this is just some energy that, you know, possesses and oppresses people, but it is named, their their name for it is the Slender Man. Hmm. Interesting. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Oh, and I just want to put this out there for you guys, too. You guys were talking about porn paranormal. How about let's paranormal organizations of rejects network. Can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> you are quicker. <laughs> that's, that's quicker than what I was. I could not come up with that that quick. That is awesome. I love that. You guys that. gave me time to think to... about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to have to join us uh, Monday night. As you, I don't know if you heard, but uh, we've got uh, a pretty paranormal coming on with George and I uh, for the show. Awesome. Uh, it may be a hard interview for me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't take um, anything. Don't leave the blue pills in the drawer. Don't take anything before the show, please. I don't know if I can make it all the way through that one. <laughs> I, I, I took a blue pill and two shots of tequila before we started the show tonight, so. 
that is standard operational procedure when Bowler goes on there. I get naked, uh, two blue pills and two shots of tequila. So, but, but Faith, I can't thank time. you enough for coming on You're the welcome. Short. And just real quick, uh, your thoughts on, on doing a little different show like this. I know that we're a little bit rough. Uh, everybody bear with us as we work through the technical difficulties. But uh, what, what's your thoughts real quick before I let you go on an actual paranormal news show, uh, bringing in people from the community such as yourself uh, to report on current topics? I think it's great. I think it's a great way for people to get out there and do some research on, you know, recent phenomenon. It's also It'll also give people the opportunity to sort of learn the technique of research. You know, that's a, it's a dying method from, you know, being a writer. It's something that I do extensively. But I see a lot of, um, for lack of a better term, very piss-poor reporting, you know, on a lot of things. And I think in-depth research and in, sort of in-depth paranormal news is, It'd be, it would be a great change for a lot of the things and a lot of the, the podcasts that are out there. I think it will be perfect. Well, I can't thank you enough uh, as we head into break here uh, for joining us on our premiere episode. I hope you'll come back next month and, and keep coming back with us. I look forward to, to hearing uh, what you find out there. You're always uh, one of my favorites when you come on with George and I on Muddy Nights. And uh, we'll uh, stay in touch. And uh, you're more than welcome to stay. We've got Eric Altman coming up with uh, a little Bigfoot crypto talk. Uh, he's got several different uh, areas of uh, conversation to discuss with us on his report. Uh, once again, you're listening to PCN Paranormal Channel News. Uh, we will be right back here after a quick break. Hello friends, this is Wild Bill reminding you that tonight's episode will be available for replay on the Paranormal Channel YouTube following our live broadcast. Go to youtube.com and search Paranormal Channel YouTube or Dead Air Paranormal YouTube. Please remember to subscribe to the Paranormal Channel on YouTube to receive all the latest from PCN, your global paranormal news source. Michael Bolter here. This is Tracy Todd. This is Wild Bill, William Peters. This is Pamela Croker. You're listening to PCN, Paranormal Channel News. Hi, I'm Pam, and this is my partner, Teller. Cryptozoologists want you to believe that there are monsters running loose in the world and that we could find these amazing creatures if only we spent more time and money. You probably already know this, but like this jungle, Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster are complete bullshit. Everybody, welcome back to PC and Mike Miller here along with William Peters, Tracy Todd, and our producer, Pamela Croker. Uh, get PCN on the map Friday, June 27th, our premiere show. And uh, up next, guys, uh, William, we've got, uh, uh, just as you mentioned there, a little Bigfoot talk coming, some cryptozoology from a uh, uh, guy that uh, has uh, talked about this many times with us before here on Dead Air, Eric Altman. Eric, welcome to PCN. Hey, guys. How you doing tonight? Doing great. How about yourself? Hi, Eric. Hey, what's going on? understand uh, you've got uh, uh, some good stuff for us tonight uh, from the uh, Bigfoot crypto uh, world out there and uh, some good information for our listeners. Yeah, i got a couple of the interesting Bigfoot stories for you tonight, and i got an interesting story that uh, may keep you guys out of the water. Um, 
Do you all remember Uh-oh. going back to the 1970s, that famous movie Jaws? Oh, yeah. Kept everybody out of the water for a little while. Well, it appears mm-hmm. that uh, there's something out there that might be a little bit bigger than Jaws lurking around. Uh-oh. Beginning of beginning of this month, in the uh, just off the shores of Australia, scientists made a very shocking discovery when a huge nine-foot-long great white shark was eaten by an even bigger mystery sea monster. Researchers have tagged a, sh- a healthy shark to track its movements as part of a study but they were shocked to find out the tracking device washed up on a beach in Australia just four months later. Data captured on the device showed that there was a rapid temperature rise along with a sudden sharp 1,900-foot plunge. The researchers believe the data proves it was eaten by something much bigger, saying the temperatures recorded indicate it went, into the, uh, it went inside of another animal's digestive system. The only theory they have so far was that it was gobbled up by a colossal cannibal great white shark. The case is detailed in an upcoming documentary that was just aired a few days ago on the Smithsonian Institute channel called Hunt for the Super Predator, and it also aired on the ABC documentary The Search for the Ocean's Super Predator. When I was first told about the data that came back from the tag that was on the shark, I was absolutely blown away, said filmmaker David Riggs in in an interview. The question was not only did it come to mind, but everyone's mind who was involved with the project. What did that? It obviously was eaten. What's going to eat a shark that big, and what could kill a nine-foot great white shark? Man, that's, wow, that's that's uh, alarming. I, I I know that, uh, and I don't know whether it's just a, something that we're keeping track of better, Eric. Uh, maybe, maybe you can uh, uh, enlighten us a little bit on this. Uh, the Texas coast has had people in knee-deep water that were fishing, uh, having some issues with sharks, uh, uh, and I, I know the East Coast. Uh, a report I recently saw said uh, that they're having uh, more of a movement of them coming in, and uh, it's made uh, a lot of the local beaches and surfing areas much more dangerous than they have been in past years, or at least that's the claim. Exactly. It seems like the the, the sea lion population, uh, wherever it's it's starting to grow in numbers, uh, specifically along like the New, New England coastline, even closer towards New York City, the New York coastline, um, in, in the northern uh, Pacific Ocean, along Oregon and Washington, the coastlines out there, um, the sea lion population is growing. And, of course, when that happens, that attracts the great white sharks. And uh, the great white shark population draws closer and closer inland. And those swimmers and those tourists, and, and like in the movie um, Jaws, where those people were in New England, in that little town of Amity, and they were they were attacked by this huge great white shark. Well, that's actually coming true today. And, and these people that are out there, you know, on these uh, vacation trips and they're swimming in the ocean, there are encountering these large sharks. And as you said, in the uh, the mm-hmm. Gulf Coast in Texas, um, they're encountering these huge sharks. And now we're finding out that uh, scientists are learning more about sharks and tagging them that they're even larger sharks than apparently this nine foot great white shark that was eaten by some kind of colossal cannibal great white shark. Well, Eric, I have a question. I um, watched one of those documentaries, and they were commenting on as the seismic activity of the Earth increases, they think that it's, it's opening up pockets in the ocean down in the depths and that perhaps there might be these 
prehistoric animals that are being they're down there and when these the earth is moving it's it's opening it up and they can come out what do you think about that theory it's a, it's a very good possibility. There's a lot of uh, drilling going on, and uh, there's a lot of uh, activity going on in the ocean. We're just now starting to explore parts of the ocean we never have before, and they're making huge discoveries, no pun intended. They're finding these prehistoric fish that we thought were extinct and making discoveries of aquatic life that we never knew existed. Just in the last 10, 15 years, they found giant squid. They've proven that that creature, which was thought to be a cryptid, uh, an undiscovered animal, does indeed exist. And now we're learning that these megamouth sharks and these uh, giant cannibalistic sharks are out there. And, and there are things that are out there devouring sharks that we're familiar with and creatures that we're familiar with. So the, the ocean is a, still an undiscovered and unexplored uh, area that we're just now starting to um, look into and starting to explore, and who knows what's down there. There might be prehistoric creatures that we've uh, never even heard of or seen of, and there's so much more to be discovered in the oceans. Well, that's, then I think Mike and I, we need a bigger boat. That's all there is to it. <laughs> <laughs> William, I was going to suggest that uh, if we go out in the ocean and uh, take two out there, you bring some of those brownies to feed the sharks so they will mellow out ah, a little ah, bit while ah, they're out ah, there. Ah. Well, then we're going to have to throw Doritos into the ocean, and I don't think that's... Yeah, that's true. They get hungry. Ecologically safe. Wow. Yeah. I forgot about that, the munchies. Interesting stuff, Eric. Wow. Crazy. It's very terrifying because a lot of folks that like to swim in the ocean and and boat and dive and, and spend a lot of time in the ocean just really don't pay much attention to what might be out there. And a story like this comes out, and it really sets you back a little bit to think, wow, there are things out there that we don't know about, and we don't really pay much attention when we go out in the ocean, and we probably should. That's true. That's true. What else you got for us, buddy? Well, i got another interesting story for you. Um, We were talking about uh, a strange uh, creature in the ocean, and we're going to talk about strange creatures on land and in our forests got a couple of Bigfoot stories for you here. This one's a little tongue-in-cheek, so to speak, and you were talking about snacks and junk food. Well, it appears that uh, the, the commercials that have been making their rounds the last several years about uh, Jack Link's beef jerky and uh, how it's related to Sasquatch may, in fact, have more truth to it than we actually know. In Prince George's, Virginia, a man claims that he saw an animal that looked like Bigfoot standing in his backyard last Saturday. The man, Isaac Petty, uploaded a video to YouTube on Sunday explaining his encounter. Petty says it was about 6 p.m. when he heard a little crackling sound in the the forest behind his backyard. When he turned around, there it stood, about 15 foot tall. It was, as he described it, a Yeti, but it looked more like a Bigfoot, he said. The two watched each other for a few seconds, then reportedly Petty went in his house and came out and threw the animal a treat or what he said was a bag of Jack Link's beef jerky. On the YouTube video, Petty is quoted as saying, I noticed that the bag I threw over the fence is gone, so I'm pretty sure Bigfoot came and got it. 
I definitely know that he likes Jack Link's beef jerky because the bag I threw over the fence is gone. I just want it to be known that right here in Prince George, Virginia, there's a Bigfoot looking in the woods over there, Petty said. Hopefully I'll be able to catch him on film next time he shows up. Prince George has a population of 2,066 and is located in the metro area of Richmond, Virginia, and has had reported Bigfoot sightings in the past. What do you think, Eric? Um, I've, I've, I've discussed this with you, I believe, on Kool-Aid. I don't know if I've had you on with us on Monday nights with George. Um, where are we going with the Bigfoot research here? It's a fantastic story. I know that this is something that uh, you've uh, researched for years and talk about on your show. Um, what do you think these days? Where, where are we going with this? Well, unfortunately, with stories like that, the Bigfoot research is losing a lot of its credibility, and it's losing a lot of its, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, a lot of its um, rationale. There are less and less yeah. serious people in it and more and more people who who don't take it seriously. Uh, as you, you can tell from that particular story, the, the guy that put that, that story out there and it was up on YouTube, there was more of a joke, uh, more of a lighthearted story than it is a serious story. Um, and that's what's unfortunately becoming the, the norm in Bigfoot research. There are more light, lighthearted stories out there. And there are so many of them out there these days that it's just, it's yeah, exactly, it's becoming pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's... You know, it's, I, 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 I want to stay neutral as an interviewer because we have to uh, to do this. And, and, you know, you get people that have spent, uh, you know, a big part of their life researching this and, and strongly right. believing in, in a lot of the evidence that they see out there. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we, we have never actually caught one. Uh, and, and as I have determined in the <laughs> three years I've been doing this with George Lopez, that you can't, uh, you, you, you've got to be able to change your mind in this community. We'd all make terrible, terrible politicians if we were running for paranormal office because what I may have said in 2012 or 2013, I, I, I may not agree with the 2014 uh, when it comes to uh, anything in the paranormal community, whether it's Bigfoot, UFOs, uh, you know, spirit research, uh, or anything like that, that some of the things I think are maybe valuable pieces of evidence we may uh, move forward and scientifically debunk that. Uh, with Bigfoot, uh, unfortunately, I think that uh, until we've got uh, something that has been captured, uh, the skeptics are going to have a field day uh, with the researchers out there, but I don't think the research needs to stop either. I think it needs to continue on. I think there's been too many people for too long that have discussed this, and it goes back in too many histories with too many different people from Native Americans and all over the globe, the Yeti uh, and, and Sasquatch, Bigfoot, in uh, and, and different situations like that to just completely stop the research and say that this has been one big hoax. So uh, a great great stuff, though, Eric. I really enjoyed the report there, and uh, I will definitely not uh, be heading too far out into the ocean uh, on uh, my <laughs> August vacation this year. It's probably a good idea. Yeah, anything you want to uh, promo real quick? You got anything coming up you want to let everybody know? Um, currently at the moment, no, I'm, I'm conducting, keeping up with the, the field research and I'm, I'm conducting some investigations right now uh, here in the state of Pennsylvania where I'm from and, and uh, just doing work with my group, the Pennsylvania Bigfoot, uh, Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society and continuing, continuing on with my radio program, Beyond the Edge Radio, and, and uh, staying the course, 
you know, keeping up with the objective and the rational research and uh, doing the best that I can do with uh, the tools that I have. There you go. Well, always a pleasure to have you. I'd like to uh, have you as a regular uh, reporter here for PCN if you would uh, uh, come back with us. I like to really appreciate you coming here on the premiere show. And uh, if you want to stick around and uh, listen, uh, coming up next after a quick break, we've got Bob Gross uh, that's got uh, some reports on us with some current UFO news. So, uh, Eric, fantastic job. Really enjoyed the report. And uh, as uh, uh, I said earlier, we will be back here after a quick break with Bob Gross to uh, talk a little bit about UFOs. Everybody stick with us. You're listening to BCN. If you are a paranormal researcher and would like to contribute to PCN's monthly broadcast, apply for a reporter position by submitting your bio and at least two articles you would be reporting on to pcn.newsradio at gmail.com. PCN, your global paranormal news source. I saw a satellite, and it was going across the sky, and it flashed three times at me, and zigzagged and whizzed off, man. And I saw it. <sighs> that was a UFO beaming back at you. Hey, Mr. Spaceman, won't you please take me Welcome back to the June 2014 report. Michael Bowler along with William Peters, Tracy Todd, and Pamela Croker here live on Dead Air Paranormal Radio. Friday night here. We hadn't had a Friday night show broadcasting on Dead Air Paranormal Radio in quite some time. Glad to be back on Fridays. You can catch us here the last Friday of each month with a report from all over. We're not just going to stick to uh, the States here, guys. We're going to try to bring in some people from the U.K. Uh, Ashley, uh, who joins us, uh, Ashley Hall joins us on Monday nights for Primetime Paranormal. We'll do it to myself, maybe get him in to do a report. Some of the people down under there. But uh, right now we've got Bob Gross uh, that's uh, going to join us, and uh, Bob has... Uh, some UFO talk for us tonight, and uh, always fascinating. George and I uh, uh, had uh, everybody going the other night with a little UFO talk, which is not the normal for uh, primetime paranormal. Uh, we normally stick with ghosts, but UFO talk is absolutely fascinating to myself and most of the community these days. Bob, welcome to PCN. How are you? Good, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. I'll try to uh, make it interesting for you. Oh, great, man. Thanks for joining us tonight on the uh, premiere episode, and uh, got some UFOs Great to be here. here for you. Yes, now, uh, again, my name is Dr. Bob Gross, and I do have a doctorate from Penn State that I received way back in 1984, but what really got me interested in UFOs and actually the paranormal and anomalies is back in 1985. I was recruited by an organization known as the Pennsylvania Association for the Study of the Unexplained, or PASU. Maybe you've heard of it before. Because the director was Stan Gordon, and it was a nonprofit scientific research organization that conducted investigations 
of just about any type of credible, unexplained occurrences. So it was UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, the whole bit. And uh, PASA was actually made up of uh, all professional volunteers, scientists, doctors, uh, dentists, policemen, metallurgists, deans of universities, and we were all professionals, and essentially, in my opinion, it was the ultimate research group. But for most of my life, I've been and had this insatiable urge to understand what I call anomalous phenomena that includes UFOs. And uh, for almost 30 years, actually, I've been scientifically researching these anomalous phenomena or rare events, and that in, you know, including UFO sightings. So tonight, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk to a little bit about the whole concept of disclosure and why I think it's extremely important. Oh, you have our so, attention. <laughs> okay. Uh, I really think with, with, with all that's going on, you know, with the, uh, the uh, satellites and so forth, that we're, what's going on out there in the discussions, that it's kind of arrogant for us to believe that we're the only intelligent species in the whole universe, or now, you know, like the multiverse. And uh, we're actually on the cusp of realizing that life out there is uh, pretty darn common. And contemporary use of the term disclosure, uh, my research indicates that what that really refers to is world governments formally acknowledging that they retain facts of some sort about unidentified flying objects and extraterrestrials. And I feel that both, like there was a recent movement known as the Disclosure Project and also there was the Citizens Hearing on Disclosures, that those events actually missed a chance uh, to make a convincing argument for releasing beneficial information about UFOs, or actually any kind of anomaly, if it really exists. And so in my opinion, at least, to be successful, a disclosure initiative must declare some kind of cause that would significantly impact, you know, like everybody on the entire planet. So after a lot of research, I constructed my own disclosure, disclosure hypothesis uh, that looks at underlying fundamentals that perhaps uh, Dr. Greer and Mr. Bassett and others overlooked. And to give you a hint, my research seems to indicate that interacting with things like UFOs and other anomalies might actually be crucial to human existence. Uh, some of the recent studies that I've been involved in indicate that when Homo sapiens actually interact with highly strange events like UFOs and other aerial anomalies, the brain actually grows. And that sort of brain growth is triggered by humans interacting with something new. And technically, that kind of brain growth is called something that's known as neuroplasticity. The brain is actually reshaping itself. So experiencing UFO might involve almost like torrents of mental processes which occur instantaneously. And if you've ever seen a UFO or had a close encounter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And right. in the past, I have. So I, I can testify. That's what you know, kind of really initiated my research into this area. And I've been working with psychologists from all over the place on it, as well as other scientists. And myself, I consider 
you know, a behavioral scientist looking at this. But what happens is the instant, let's say, you or other eyewitnesses perceive this UFO, once you decide or your mind decides that it's an anomaly, special mechanisms start to kick in. And these mechanisms go into action because the senses get primed to take in a rare event, and that actually starts to happen. In essence, like the entire body is forced to pay attention to this unidentified flying object. And because of uh, UFOs and aerial anomalies are usually multidimensional in nature, these UFOs engage several brain areas at once. So the observer, like when you're witnessing this, you're really engrossed. You can't take your eyes off it. You're mesmerized by it. And so the incoming information effectively gets directed to various parts of the entire brain. So that when, when you observe a unique phenomena, such as a UFO, a new body of knowledge forms in your brain. But this knowledge, what, what they're finding out, is, is also available for solving mundane problems or challenges later on in life. So when you witness an unexplained event, it's to your benefit. So research really indicates that individuals who interact with UFOs develop different brains from those who don't. Now, it's not just UFOs, but it's unique things, unexplained events. So unidentified aerial phenomena or UFOs, whichever you want to call them, those type of sightings may, may spawn liking what's known as effective reactions and surprise. And if you've ever known anyone that's experienced the UFO phenomena, they tell you these things. I mean, they like what they've witnessed. You know, they, they go back for more, they join MUFON or whatever, but they really are uh, captivated by the experience. So uh, since UFOs are usually unexpected, surprise is involved. Now, surprise is kind of a special thing I found out because surprise helps you to bring, helps bring the entire mind to attention and it helps the observer remember the event. Like, you know, how many people do you know that have seen a UFO up close or far away actually forget about it? It doesn't really happen. So that whole unexpected surprise is a good thing for our brains. And... So when you have a surprise involved in an event like this, an anomalous phenomena, when surprise is tied to it, knowledge develops into transferable skills. Now, here, here's what the, the crazy thing I'm finding out is that when anomalies are involved, like UFOs, those skills include survival skills, and survival skills in turn enhance evolution. So... In reality, citing a UFO or any, any kind of phenomenon, a ghost, whatever, regardless of whether it is eventually categorized, like, you know, is known or unknown, that initial citing still brings about an exceptional state of mind in the human being. So I've been developing something I call anomaly awareness, which involves the mind searching for characteristic properties of objects to obtain understanding from them. And so it makes sense that extensive knowledge about uh, and, uh, and actually profound appreciation for paranormal events and UFOs 
should result in even a faster brain, and research is showing that it does. But some, some individuals, not everyone, but there's a school of thought out there that says that deeply understanding a phenomenon like UFOs, like ghosts, like any type of rare event, uh, understanding that type of phenomenon takes away from the awe that's tied to it. But actually, my research seems to indicate that to the, to, to the contrary, that deep thought about a certain type of event actually eradicates unimportance and uncertainty, and it makes the feeling that you get, uh, which is known as an effective reaction, uh, when you see something, that, that chill that you get, that uh, palpitation of the heart, uh, that gets stronger the more information you have about the event that you're witnessing. So uh, those types of educated glimpses about stuff that we can't explain, it brings about a real intense appreciation of whatever you're witnessing. So any kind of appreciation, even if it's art appreciation or music appreciation or anomaly appreciation, that strengthens the effective reaction you're going to have, and it's going to cause the brain to grow. So at that point... Uh, um, what you might consider an everyday mundane life actually gets pretty amazing. So what my uh, research is indicating that strong effective reactions, uh, the type of thing that you have when you see a ghost, that you see when you uh, see a UFO, when you hear uh, a really artistic piece of music or look at a piece of art, uh, that type of reaction indicates that the brain is growing really effectively. So uh, to wrap, kind of wrap things up, if, if knowledge like the uh, disclosure uh, claims that the governments have, if that type of knowledge about certain phenomena exists, then serious researchers, scientists, uh, educators, statisticians, and most humans, you know, in general, like we need access to it. So the more comprehensive knowledge a person's brain holds about things like UFOs, the stronger and effective reaction can be once they actually experience one. So then my hypothesis is, I hypothesize that disclosing any embargoed UFO information could enhance the biological evolution of the entire human race. And, that, and that's you know, kind of just the tip of the iceberg, but I wanted to you know, put that forth out there for you uh, this evening, uh, because that's uh, what my research has led me to believe. Bob, that is fascinating stuff. Um... You remind me of a, a, a Thomas Fusco in your delivery of uh, your research there. Absolutely uh, fascinating. I love that. And this is more of a uh, subconscious uh, type act, act uh, individually uh, versus a conscious act, that this is happening with people uh, whether they want it to or not, correct? Yes, but, again, this is what my, my, reach, my, my research is showing. Um, there's a doctor by the name of Howard Gardner from Harvard who has what he calls a multiple intelligence theory. And the most recent intelligence he's been working on is called existential intelligence. So what it's showing is that, again, his research is showing, is that uh, everybody has this type of uh, 
thinking domain that's called existential intelligence, which means you learn better and through a working with paranormal type of events, that everybody has the potential to develop that. So even though at times it's, it's happening, uh, let's say, subconsciously or unconsciously, uh, it also can be developed so that you could become a better uh, scientist regarding the paranormal or someone who ex- actually experiences these events uh, better than other people do. And that's kind of important because like around 71% of the people in the United States have had some type of paranormal experience. Yeah, and, 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 and gosh, I, we don't have time tonight. I would love to keep discussing this with you. I'd like to get you back on here with us or maybe on one of our other shows. Uh, sure. The reaction of different people and different personalities and the way the brain handles this, I'm sure some people uh, can become fascinated and maybe not realize that they now have this fascination and thirst or just craving to seek out and research uh, UFOs, uh, you know, or any paranormal activity, whereas others may become extremely paranoid from an encounter such as this as the brain morphs and changes. Is that correct? Exactly. That's depending upon uh, the reference you take it from. I mean, what, what my, again, it's, it's my, what, what my research is showing is that I've, I've been working in an area, it's a subfield known as cognitive evolutionary neuroaesthetics. So it takes a look at uh, effective reactions and aesthetic responses, not only in uh, experiences with art, the arts, but also non-arts uh, phenomenon. So uh, there's, there's a, what it's actually saying, if it wouldn't be for these kinds of experiences, it's almost like the human homo sapien, what have you, needs to have experiences with the paranormal to develop their brains because then we evolve effectively when we do that. So it seems to be tied in. Wow. Well, Bob, how does everybody get a hold of you? Any social media or any way they can contact you for uh, any more of this information? Uh, well, I am on Facebook. I'm, unfortunately, I don't have a, a website. Uh, I'm currently I'm been writing a book for a couple of years now, and it, it's still in the second draft. But the title of it is "The Nature and Value of Anomalous Phenomenon." So, uh, you know. Uh, if you, I can. I guess Facebook is the easiest way to do that. Okay, we'll get Pam to uh, post those uh, that info up for you. And I cannot thank you enough for joining us tonight. Fascinating hey, it's stuff. My pleasure. I'd love to get you back on on here, and I uh, I'd love to contact you about possibly coming on and doing some of the weekly shows uh, that we have here on Dead Air Paranormal. Certainly. But uh, everybody, thank you so much, Bob Gross. Bob, stick around thank and you, uh, listen. You bet. We've got uh, Beth Brown coming up. You've waited all night. And uh, Beth Brown, our final reporter of the evening. And guess what we're going to talk about, guys? Yes, you waited all night. We're going to talk some ghosts right here on PCN. So uh, Ghost Investigations with Beth Brown coming up next. You're listening to PCN. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thanks again. I'm a bit of a classic. I poop on my burger. 
I poop on my potato salad. I poop on my kids' lunches. I poop on my fingers. Grandma. <laughs> I guess I poop on my husband's chest. <laughs> Gray Poupon. Poupon everything. And now, back to Paranormal Channel News, right here on Blog Talk Radio. The doors could actually have been thrown open by something paranormal. Oh my god, I'm recording. I am on record. It appeared to be reaching out for her. It was a speaking thing. Something was standing right in front of me. Almost like a laughing, growling, mocking kind of voice. Ghosts, are they real or not? Guys, you waited all night, and it's time for a little ghost talk. We've got Beth Brown uh, joining us tonight to uh, discuss a little paranormal uh, and ghost investigations with us tonight. Beth, how are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm doing outstanding. Uh, good to be uh, on, the, on the radio Friday night. Uh, we have not had anything going here for dead air for a while on Fridays, and... Uh, Love doing the shows. Uh, love having uh, the great reports we've had so far. And looking forward to you uh, coming on with us tonight. Going to tell us a little bit about uh, ghost and paranormal investigations. Well, what we're going to talk about tonight, I don't know if you would, if ghost or paranormal investigations is the right word. Um, more, my complaint is orbs. And orbs. I would not consider that ghost. Orbs. Well, you know what? Orbs have been controversial for so long, and, and I'm just going to give you my quick spill on it, everybody. And I, I, I said earlier I'd make a terrible uh, paranormal politician because I've changed over the years my thoughts on stuff. Uh, you know, at first, when I first got into the paranormal, orbs were something that, you know, was your first uh, thing that a lot of people spotted in pictures when they went to haunted locations and would take these. And then I said, no, that's dust, that's water. I've learned the hard way, like everybody else, that uh, you know what we're picking up with digital photography uh, is, is particulates in the air, dust and bugs and things like that, uh, with today's right. modern cameras. And and then I realized through some videos, and we've got a, a fascinating video on our YouTube channel, which is the Paranormal Channel, uh, that I took with Dwayne Fakers, our science guy, that came on to get the report tonight, at a local uh, place here in Fort Worth that we have an orb breaking into two and trailing off in an area that weren't any bugs, and we've been sitting still for quite some time. So dust was probably not an issue, and there wasn't any water vapor or anything like that in there. That's a paranormal event that we had that night because I can't explain what that was, and for lack of better terms, you'd have to call it an orb. We called it the right. transformer orb since it broke into two. So now, I think orbs are... I'm not going to say orbs don't exist. I just believe that 99.9% of what people are calling orbs are not paranormal. And I'm I'm coming from this in a little different aspect than we usually do. Um, My question that I've been thinking about, because I've had this situation arise a couple times, and I'm sure that everyone here has had this situation, is when is it better to keep your mouth shut and your opinions to yourself? The reason I ask that is because I'm not talking about in, in 
circumstances where, you know, obviously we all know that it's best to be honest about your opinion and, and your belief in things when you're talking to your peers or when you're talking to clients, people that have called you in um, to try to explain activity in their home or their business. But what about people that you don't know that have not called you in to investigate, but just tell your story in passing? Right. And and here's the situation. This is this is why I'm asking is because I think it goes back to you touched on this conversation a little bit earlier tonight is some people believe in the paranormal. Well, I think we all kind of have a pre-belief. And a lot of that stems from either religion or our um our background the way that we were raised. But some people I have found that have shared these kind of stories with me, believe in it or believe in what they're seeing in video or photography because it brings some comfort. Mm-hmm. They they believe it because they feel like they have to have some connection or they're they're looking so hard for some connection with a loved one that has passed on. And, and I believe that. I, I, I've often said that most of the people I find in the paranormal field are very liberal, open-minded thinkers uh, mm-hmm. dealing with people who are having issues that are very conservative thinkers. Right, right. And, you know, here's here's kind of the situation. This is what got me thinking about this. Um, a few weeks ago, I was I had gone to my hairdresser. The woman that was had the appointment right before me, she was telling my hairdresser about how, um, you know, her father passed away a number of years ago, and now every time the family gets together and they take pictures, there are always these orbs that are surrounding her, and it's always just her. And my hairdresser, knowing what I did in my spare time, said, oh, well, you know, Beth is going to be in right behind you. You've got to tell this story to her. So she, she tells me. And this, of course, is not the first time that, that someone has told me a story like this just in passing. And, you know, what can you do? You you realize at that point, okay, I, I realize that what she's seeing in this picture is, is chances are it's not her dead father. Um, but, you know, she believes it because it brings her comfort, because she needs to feel like her father is still around. So at that point, I'm not going to burst her bubble and go, well, it's, it's, it's probably just dust. Right, right. You know, now, and I don't want to lie to people, but at the same time, the only the only way that you can really respond is, I believe that our loved ones are always with us, and I do. That's not a lie, whether it's just in our minds or in spirit. I believe that they're always with us, but I don't believe that it's that's your father in in this picture. You know. Right. So, I mean, it would be different if this was someone that had called me in to investigate their home. Obviously, I would be honest with them. But it, it, in situations like this, I think sometimes, even though I hate it and I hate the word orbs and I hate biting my tongue, and you know, I think sometimes it's just better to keep your mouth shut and keep your opinions to yourself because these people believe that because they really need to believe it. I, I, I do agree with you, and I think that's probably one of the reasons I, years back, got out of doing any residential investigations. 
that uh, the limited amount of paranormal uh, ghost hunting research that I do is going to uh, commercial-type locations, hotels, uh, and areas mm-hmm. such as that. Not really uh, any, so to speak, client other than possibly a business owner that wants to know uh, if we can figure out what's going on in the location and uh, specifically if it's a hotel. Do you, do you guys think it's haunted? And if you say it is, and can give me some evidence, hey, maybe I can start, uh, you know, booking the place up. So, and, and probably just for those reasons, because I'm 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 one too that uh, my beliefs, which we won't get in tonight, I don't do that on PCN here. That uh, is not one of what are we dealing with, but I'm more of one that wants to study the facts of uh, the actual part of the paranormal research that is paranormal that we cannot explain scientifically. And if something mm-hmm. can be explained scientifically, which is an orb, uh, that it's water vapor or dust or something that shows up in a picture, uh, then you do have that decision to make as a seasoned investigator, you bet, saying, well, I know that's not her father over there, but if she thinks it is, what's the harm in letting her continue to think that? And if she treasures that photograph for years to come uh, and, and is able to go back to a place in her own mind of a connection with her father or a loved one, that uh, that's, that's simply fine. I think you find that we're probably split in the community on the decision to do that, uh, but I, I certainly think that uh, that is the correct uh, way to go with uh, a situation such as that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, some, some cases are, of course, more extreme than others. You know, some people it's just the harmless, all the orb and the... But, and I shouldn't, this is terrible, I shouldn't even tell the story, but we went to a place locally a few years ago where the host, and, and it, was not a, it was not a private home, um, so that made it a little bit different. This, this is a place, a, a public place, where we, you know, we contacted them, okay, we want to come in and investigate the place. So it's not like they were calling us for help, but we went in and one of the hosts sat there and talked to her her dead son on a ghost box all night about how her day was. And that was my first experience of going, well, first of all, I was sitting there going, what the, you know, what the hell is really going on here? But, you know, then you walk away from it and you're, I'm on the way home and I'm thinking about it and I'm laughing about how ridiculous it was. But then it hit me how sad it was all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you on that, and that's that's fascinating. That's an important part of, of um, uh, paranormal research. Is uh, you know that that that's why I think there may be so much drama in the community, which I've tried to distance myself from uh, doing the show for a couple of years with George. It's not always that easy, and I have uh, oftentimes tried to communicate with people in uh, uh, almost. It ends up becoming a debating forum of saying, mm-hmm. let's not say things as investigators are things that we don't know they're not, and we, we certainly need to turn around uh, and, and try to have a decent, I guess, for lack of better terms, bedside manner when dealing with clients because we don't know them individually. If I'm going over to a friend's house that I've known for several years and he thinks he's got an orb in there, uh, and he says, what do you think it is, Mike? I will tell him the truth. If I went out to a client and I wasn't sure in, in a situation like you said, and that, that's, that's where you draw the line. Uh, you know, do you bust the bubble, so to speak, or do you let them go on with uh, what is absolutely a harmless uh, situation? Uh, you know, I, I think I agree with you that you just let them have their fun, you know, uh, and, and believe what they need to. 
Right, and, and obviously, you know, I think it makes a huge difference as to whether this person is a client and they've called you in looking for answers. Because I think in, in that case, even if it is a slippery slope, you have to be honest with them. Um, yeah. You just have to be very careful about how you do that. But it, on the other hand, you've got these people that are just, you know, once they hear from a friend of a friend or or however what you do in your spare time and they want to tell you a story, then, you know, in cases like that, unless they come directly out and ask me, okay, what is your opinion on blah, 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 you know, I just try to, you know, shake my head and and kind of, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, because there are so many different beliefs, and, and I think a lot of it does stem, you know, we all go into this with with a pre-belief. Whether we want to admit it or not, we do. Um, and we let our, our backgrounds and the way that we were raised and our religious views cloud that. And, and it's easy to say, okay, check that at the door, but it's not always so easy to do. And I found yeah. that a lot of people believe in that because they need to bring some comfort. Hey, Beth. Um, yeah. That that actually brings up a good um, question or topic that that I have is from a psychological perspective, how damaging could a a paranormal investigator be to somebody that really needs to go through their grieving process um, by providing them with EVPs and, and different ways of spirit communication, do we as investigators have a obligation and a responsibility to them to tell them, hey, this might not be the most healthiest way to to get over the loss of your loved one. I think the, the, we could be hugely damaging or helpful. And, and, you know, that's actually a scary thought because I'm not trained in that. You know, I shouldn't be... You know, neither are, are most of us. But at the same time, especially when you're called into a case where someone's loved one has passed away, especially recently, and they're looking for answers, you've got to be so careful about what you say and how you say it. Because it could have a, a, a damaging effect, like you say. Yeah, absolutely. And. And I think before you go back to them with any evidence or lack of evidence, you've got to be really careful about how it's going to affect that person. Um, you know, because it, here's here's a, a strange circumstance, and, and as odd as it sounds, I can understand it. Um, my parents both passed away in 2007, so it's not it's not a um, it's not fresh for me, but. Mm. You know, the fact that they passed away so close together, me and my brother and sister were left to deal with the estate, you know, selling their their main house and rental homes and blah, 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 blah. And 
I had somebody ask me, knowing what I did and knowing that the my parents' house was now set and empty, we were trying to sell it at the time. This is the house that I grew up in. I had someone ask me, have you thought about going up to your parents' house and doing EVP work? And I had to stop and think about it for a second. And my first thought was, maybe I should, because if I do catch an EVP, I would love to hear their voice again. Mm-hmm. But then I had to stop and think, no, because what effect would it have on me if I did get an EVP, but it was only my mother or only my father? Right. Then I would lay awake at night wondering why they weren't together or why they were still here, but mostly why they weren't together. Wow. So I yeah. think I can understand the the effects that what you say to clients has on them. Mm-hmm. Why you bring up uh, oh, great points. Go ahead, William. Okay, sorry, Mike. Um, well, you know, I would really hate to to maybe perhaps find it, find out someday that by me wanting to com- communicate with somebody that I've lost might actually keep them here mm-hmm. and not allow them to to move on to wherever it is they need to be. Um, I think that might be something to take into consideration too. That's a very good point. That's something that I had, I guess, you you always look at it the other way around. The, the, what effect is it having on the person living that's trying to hang on to the person's past? But you're right; it, it could be the other way around, and I had that had never occurred to me. Faith, outstanding stuff. Uh, I, I almost want to say that what you brought up is something that I have never thought about being involved in the paranormal field uh, and all the conversations I've had. And like I said, I don't do residential investigations. But I do have people that contact me for that. It's almost as if you're saying you, know, you don't question somebody's faith, uh, you know, whatever right. their religion is, that it's just something that is, is better left unsaid, and it's something that uh, does get mixed into this because, unfortunately, ghosts and spirits is a part of the religious talk most nights. So I think you bring some fascinating advice uh, with your report tonight, and, and I'm, I'm sure glad you joined us tonight. I know uh, uh, you were a little hesitant when I'd ask you to join us, and, I'd love to have you back on here. We've uh, really enjoyed this first night of PCN here uh, and doing the reports this way and bringing in some of the great minds from around the country uh, to tell us uh, what's going on a little bit and, and share some of the personal thoughts uh, as you did tonight. So wonderful report, Beth. Well, thanks for having me on, Mike. I, I certainly uh, enjoyed that and, and uh, I can't say thank you enough. And we'll look forward to getting you back on here. Guys, we're running a little bit late tonight. Uh, William, I think we need a break. And uh, when we get back from break, uh, Beth, if you want to stick around, we've got a a thing called Paranormal Quick Hits, which is going to be uh, some zany, odd, uh, crazy paranormal news from around the globe that uh, William, uh, Tracy, and I are going to discuss and uh, share some of this information with you, along with some links in the chat room that Pam will feed you uh, to check these crazy stories out yourself. So stay tuned. You're listening to PCN, and we will be back here in just a couple minutes.
Hey folks, Michael Buller here, Anchorman for PCN, Paranormal Channel News. I want to let you know how to find us and how to listen to us. We broadcast live the last Friday of each month on Blog Talk Radio. That's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash dead air. That's dead hyphen air at the end there. We also will have our replay up about 60 minutes after the broadcast on our YouTube channel, which is called the Paranormal Channel. Simply go to YouTube and search Paranormal Channel, or you can find us by searching for Dead Air Paranormal Radio. Please remember to subscribe to us. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Please like us. It's PCN Paranormal Channel News on Facebook. And follow us on Twitter, PCN Para Channel News. They're a little different from the Facebook. But once again, that's PCN Para Channel News on Twitter. Remember, folks, we're better together, so please keep listening. Welcome back to PCN, the June 2014 edition, running live right here on Dead Air Paranormal Radio. William, man, I tell you what. Had some fantastic reports tonight. I, I, I can't say how thankful I am. Some of the quality people that Pam uh, got on for us for this first report. I hope everybody Absolutely. will tune in next uh, in July for the uh, second uh, PCN. Uh, and I, I just love doing it this way, getting, getting uh, different opinions and different stories and reports uh, from around uh, the country, around the globe. You know, we're going to. UK and Australia and some of the other places that we're going to add the reporters into tonight. But right now, guys, uh, if anybody's seen uh, my personal Facebook page, uh, I share these type stories, and I know, Tracy, you get a big kick out of them, and, and William, do you do too. So uh, a little thing we call Paranormal Quick Hits, which we're going to try to make a regular segment here monthly uh, on PCN. And uh, with any further ado, I guess I'll just start us out with the first story. Uh, Tracy and William, uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to let everybody know, that uh, a little information, one of my favorite shows, and I know George R. Lopez, our founder of Dead Air, uh, American Horror Story, we've got Freak Show coming up. And uh, Michael Chiklis, guys, is going to uh, join Jessica Lane and Kathy Bates and Sarah Paulson this season, uh, centered around uh, the few remaining Freak Shows of the 1950s, as its members do anything to keep the business alive. This season will focus on conflict between the freaks and the evil forces guys who do not understand them. Um, their season will also feature a clown killer and a bearded lady, and it's supposed to be somewhere in Florida, down there in Georgia's neck of the woods. So, uh, in fact, Sarah Paulson uh, tweeted a photo of her character for this season, which is actually two characters, guys, Bet and Dot, a two-headed conjoined <laughs> twin sister uh, that actually has a performer in the Freak Show. So, and I'm telling you, American Horror Story coming up, season three, uh, Freak Show. I can't wait. Uh, down there in Georgia's neck of the woods in Florida, Freak Show. So, everybody, stay tuned and look for that one. Uh, what you got for us, William? Well, um, I have a story coming from Mexico. Uh, two cousins were playing with a Ouija board. And apparently, while they were playing with the Ouija board, the one cousin became possessed by not only the devil. Um, she began to convulse, um, speak in weird languages, bark like a dog, cluck like a chicken, and stutter like Wild Bill. Um, 
So uh, the paramedics were called to the house, and they took the three friends to the hospital. When the medics arrived at the scene, the young girl was thrashing and growling. Um, the mother attempted to call a Catholic priest to perform a, a impromptu exorcism, but the priest refused because the family wasn't a member of the local church. So unfortunately, there was no exorcism, which is a bum deal. So uh, how about you, Tracy? What do we got? All right, boys and girls. If you guys are looking for something to do with your spouse, other half, this come October, Sinking Spring, Pennsylvania is opening its first haunted screen park that is meant to expose participants to a new kind of fear. An attraction at the Pennsylvania's premier haunted screen park, Shocktoberfest, will be offering new tours of its haunted house. Labeled the Naked and Scared Challenge, the unique brand of Halloween experience has visitors to strip down to nothing and enter one of their haunted houses completely new. The inspiration comes from the Discovery Channel's show, Naked and Afraid, in which two guests must survive in the wild without any outerwear. Now, Overfest will invite its guests to experience the same kind of fear. Participants will walk through a haunted house called The Unknown, seen to a former industrial park filled with zombies. The patrons are off two options. Nude or crude. They can go through the haunted house completely nude or wearing only their underwear. Now, for those of you who may be a little shy, you don't have to worry about it. According to the website, Shoptoberfest website, the attraction will have plenty of security on staff during the naked hours to ensure there's no inappropriate behavior. Shoptoberfest has created this experience so that customers can explore a new level of fear. This is about fear pushing oneself out of their comfort zone. This is not about sex, they say. No sexual misconduct, inappropriate, or disrespectful behavior will be tolerated. Now, just so you know, and you can't say nobody told you, there will be an additional cleaning charge if they scare the piss out of you. <laughs> Dude, I'm more worried about getting poked in the eye. <laughs> and, and, and Tracy, I assume the Batman underwear will be your uh, attire when you attend? Oh, no, there won't be none if I go. Uh, there oh, won't Lord. be. <laughs> well, speaking of that, guys, um, the Festival of the Still Penis, and I'm not making this up, you can look this up, is held each spring in Kawasaki, Japan. The exact dates vary, but the main festivals fall on the first Sunday in April. The penis, as a central theme of the event, is reflected in illustrations, candy, carved vegetables, decorations, and a parade, guys. And here's the paranormal twist on this. This was started, uh, and, and it's become very popular among prostitutes who wish to pray for protection <laughs> of transmitted diseases, but it originated about a... Uh, a rumor of a sharp-toothed demon that would hide inside the vagina of a young woman and would castrate her husbands on their wedding nights. As a result, these women appealed from a blacksmith who fashioned the first iron penis to break the demon's teeth, which led to the enshrinement of the item. Today, the festival has become something of a tourist attraction and is used to raise money for HIV research. So, uh, 
over there in Japan, Kawasaki, Japan, the Penis Festival once a year. Just like something you see in New Orleans, huh, William? <laughs> well, I actually have a piece of advice there. Um, a neighbor once told me it is best to have loved and have lost than to have paid for it, and it was bad. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> okay, so my next story comes from Detroit, Michigan. Eyewitnesses say Bigfoot might be a squatter in abandoned houses. He's applied for Section 8 housing and food stamps, and uh, our hard-earned tax dollars are going to housing Bigfoot. Um, apparently, the mythical creature known as Bigfoot has a history of being spotted in Michigan. Although sightings of the man-sized animal are rare, in 1990, footprints measuring two feet wide and a foot long were spotted in a snow covering a vacant lot in the city. Um, there have been several eyewitness reports and evidence of Bigfoot poo, empty pizza boxes, and photographs taken of the elusive creature hiding in empty buildings. And word has it, the Detroit Lions are trying to get him on the team. <laughs> so maybe they'll have a winning season. I don't know. Tracy, you're up, buddy. What you got, Tracy? <laughs> but I, I, I tell you, I, I got something. I got something cut right out of the pages of R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. Awesome. So, a boy stumbled on a mummified corpse hanging inside a home once thought to be abandoned. A 12-year-old boy made his way inside a dusty old house in Dayton, Ohio, um, and he found inside a closet was the body of a 50. Three-year-old Edward Brunton hung from a belt. Authorities say the corpse has been there for five years. The closest shielded the closet shielded Burns' body from decomposition as well as animals and insects. Because of the location where he was found, it was relatively protected, sunlight protected, temperature protected, and low humidity. The coroner said. Coroner's office believes it is a suicide by hanging. Well, I would assume that also. Found him <laughs> by hanging by his belt. But police are still investigating it. <laughs> uh, Burton bought the house, uh, Brunton, I'm sorry, bought the house in 2009 and reportedly died shortly after that. But nobody in the community knew. Overgrowth had taken over the home, taxes had never been paid, and nobody ever saw anyone entering or leaving. Kind of sounds like that, uh, what, three months ago, that lady was, that uh, lady's mummified corpse was found in her uh, car? Yeah. Yeah. It had been there for a while, and we talked about that on the show with George. Uh, you know, he's got the yeah. male, he's got the grass, and, and, and they said, I think one of the neighbors had cut the grass, thinking that she traveled a lot and she was just out of town. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, anyway, this, uh, this, this adventurous boy's mother stated that uh, he's definitely going to be scarred for life. Poor kid. 
imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. Gosh, well, guys, uh, February 2nd, 1959, nine college students climbed the icy slopes, uh, and I'm not even going to be able to try to pronounce this, the uh, Yalto Pass in the Ural Mountains of Russia, where's Mr. Lopez when you need him, uh, who speaks Russian. Uh, doesn't drink vodka, but he speaks Russian. That never made any sense to me. Anyway, they never <laughs> made it out alive, guys. Uh, the students' bodies were found with broken ribs and fractured skulls. In one grotesque case, a woman's eye had been gouged out and her tongue was missing. Uh, at the time of the tragedy, investigators uh, cryptically declared uh, the past's deaths were due to compelling natural force, according to the new television documentary, re-examining the case. Since the massacre occurred during the Cold War, some have speculated the students were killed by a top-secret Soviet weapon. Others claim an ingenious tribe lashed out at the hikers for trespassing. However, the murder site doesn't seem to jive with those explanations. So the new documentary, which this is coming out, it came out June 1st, guys. The Russian Yeti, the killer lives. They are now thinking that the Yeti, that this was a Bigfoot massacre. Uh, for those that uh, are unaware, the Yeti is the what they call Bigfoot over in the uh, Soviet Union and Russia, and uh, they think that uh, Bigfoot had a bad day, guys. Uh, this was it. The, uh, you know, maybe they took his, his Jack Link's jersey or something, and he had enough <laughs> that on this particular case, uh, they did not make it home. He, he took nine of them out. So uh, for all you Bigfoot researchers out there, uh, be careful. Uh, be careful. Make sure you've got a path to run next time you're... Uh, swinging a baseball bat and leaving donuts by one of those trees in the middle of the night out there in the forest. But, uh, uh, William, what's you got? <laughs> All right. For my last story of the night, uh, paranormal radio host Art Bell mysteriously disappeared from his Cyrus XM radio show. Um, Art Bell has been the ongoing host of Coast to Coast AM. Um, he recently retired, and um, he was starting up a new show on Cyrus XM Radio. Apparently, there were several technical problems, and all of a sudden, the show was canceled after six episodes. So um, I know I grew up listening to Art Bell, and he's the reason why I probably got into the paranormal field. So, um, yeah, he's no longer on the air. Wow. I've seen something about that that's uh, interesting. Uh, those links are available. I'd say we're not making any of this up. This is all stuff that we found. And it's funny, and I, and I want a quick tie-in here. Uh, our own Andrea Perrin, who uh, uh, a World Awakening uh, with George on Tuesday nights, I believe, if I understood her correctly, later tonight will be on Coast to Coast Live with George Norrie. Uh, so I will uh, tune in for that. There, there. Yeah, yeah, she is uh, to be with him tonight. But uh, Tracy, uh, you're up. All right, guys, I got a. Uh I got a case of possessed cars. Oh. Residents of a small village in England have been experiencing a spat of, unex- of unexplained phenomena. This strange series of 
offense began when locals discovered that their car doors would spontaneously lock and unlock for no reasons. Sometimes the phenomenon would result in someone being trapped inside the vehicle, while at other times they would be unable to get in. The problem only seems to be affecting a specific set of streets within the village, but has to date been reported more than more has been reported by more than 30 car owners. The phenomenon has become such a nuisance that the area has been dubbed the Summer Court Triangle. While locals have taken to suggesting that the cars have been possessed, several drivers have attempted to fix the issue by changing their keys or by taking their cars into a garage when nothing has helped. The local school secretary has also expressed her concerns about the dangers posed by the problem after a child was found locked inside the car. As of this day, the investigations are ongoing, but to date, the mystery remains unsolved. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like another lawsuit for General Motors. <laughs> that's true. That, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, guys, let's, uh, let me see. Uh, i got one more right here, and uh, we'll, we'll, we're running short on time here. But, uh, uh, William, uh, there we go. It's... Uh, Recently come to uh, our attention here at PCN that uh, you can get your ball set on fire. In China, that is. That's uh, awesome. I was shocked when I saw this, uh, William and Tracy. This is uh, it's called fire therapy. Uh, it's referred to as Hu Lao. Uh, can allegedly cure everything from depression to infertility. Uh, naturally, um, we have some questions here at PCN. Uh, I'd like to know who was the inventor and did it, how did it come to him? Uh, can this technique also be used to remove hair? <laughs> and uh, I don't think they've actually named this technique uh, in English, so may I suggest possibly calling it uh, Great Balls of Fire, uh, uh, The Burning Love, Light My Candle, uh, The Flaming Tips, or The Sack of Rhodes. And uh, possibly is uh, the technicians trained by making Bananas Foster possibly, guys? <laughs> well, when I was in my classes, um, we never talked about the therapy that requires lighting one's balls on fire. So I, I don't know if that's uh, FDA approved yet. Well, maybe that's uh, something you can uh, open up there in Colorado, uh, along with uh, getting uh, people relaxed to... Uh, you know, smoke a bowl and uh, light your balls. And light on your fire. balls. On fire. <laughs> well, maybe that'll be a uh, an added attraction up there in Oktoberfest or Scarefest. There we go. There you, hey, light your balls on fire, please. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can sponsor it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, any anything else, William or, or Tracy? That's no. That's, that's, <laughs> Oh, I got <laughs> Well, guys, uh, Pamela had to uh, leave us earlier. We were going to have her come on and uh, give some contact information, but uh, we've already done that. Um, you can contact us on Facebook, uh, basically, uh, at PCN, Paranormal Channel News, Messenger, Mike, uh, Michael Bowler. Uh, <laughs> I choked up after that last story. Michael Bowler uh, on Facebook, Pamela Croker, and uh, send us a message. If you're interested in coming on uh, and being a reporter or have a story 
uh, for us. But uh, William and Tracy, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, outstanding job for our first night here. Uh, the show's only going to get better. Uh, we had some quality reports. Yeah. And uh, I think that's uh, going to do it. So, William, if you've got our exit music going, I, I think uh, we'll we close go. this thing out. It's going to do it for the June 2014 report. Uh, just a reminder, George Lopez and myself, Monday for Primetime Paranormal. Miss Andrea Perrin with George again on Tuesdays for World Awakening. Chris Medina and the Paranormal Kool-Aid Crew in space. Uh, Joey G.E. Webb in Paranormal Hood every Thursday. And, of course, Sunday Night Dead with Matthew Slozer and PCN's own Tracy Todd Sundays right here on Dead Air Paranormal Radio. Uh, check the Dead Air Paranormal Radio Facebook page for times. Uh, and, of course, the Blog Talk, uh, www.blogtalk.com slash dead hyphen air will also give you current show information. But, uh, again, I would like to thank our June reporters, Dwayne Favors, Faith Severin, Eric Altman, Bob Gross, and Beth Brown. Uh, for joining us tonight. Fantastic job, guys. We will return next month on July 25th for another edition of PCN. Until then, for Pamela Croker, Tracy Todd, William Peters, this is Mike Buller wishing you the best in what you do. This is PCN, your global source for paranormal news and more. Good night, all. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Like everything is lost. I got a cold hearted, wrong done woman.